Yo, yo, and welcome to the Professor Jones and the Digs podcast. My name is Dave Jones, and I am the Professor. My name is Danny Jones, and I am known as the Digs. Professor Jones is a podcast dedicated to the art of film and cinema. Every month we choose a certain theme and pick three movies within that theme. Every week we break down one of those movies for our movie of the week. But this week, we're kind of going outside of the Halloween scary movie theme, and we're breaking down Blade Runner 2049, or is it 2049? Which one did you want to go with? Uh, well, 2000, well, I guess it's 2049, but 2049 kind of sounds, I think that sounds cooler. I think it does. I think 2049 sounds just cooler in just about every way. Blade so. Runner 2049. Blade Runner 2049. 2049 sounds better. It's yeah, like a, it's kind of like the guy in the commercial. I think he would say it that way, like 2049. You know, like when you're watching like a football game or something and it shows the commercial, then the guy at the end's like, Blade Runner 2049. Like, I think well, that's probably... Could be like the video game, though. They could have been like Blade Runner 2K49. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's R1, R2, circle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> triangle, 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 square, square. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheat code for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, the GTA cheat code days. Gosh. I actually, times. I remember one. If anybody listening to the podcast remembers this one, I think this was all weapons. I think it's R2, R2, L1, R2, left, down, right up, left, down, right up. Gosh. Is that GTA 3? Grand yeah, Theft I think Battle that's Grand Theft Auto 3. 3 what we're talking about. And I think that's all weapons for PS2. Man. We should do a bro down about that sometime because <laughs> Grand Theft Auto is such a good game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love it. All right, but let's let's move on. So we're going to talk about Blade Runner in a little bit here, which I'm very excited to talk about. That was a very uh, highly anticipated movie for me this year um, oh, and you as well. Um, but let's get going with the bro down here. Um, the bro down is a segment in which we talk about something that we thought was particularly relevant to discuss throughout the week. Um, and I'm excited cause I, I had something that, uh, that occurred uh, a couple times over the past couple weeks, um, that I just find interesting. So without further ado, uh, this last two weeks, I was fortunate enough to go see two of my uh, well, one of my favorite bands and then just another band that I highly respect and really enjoy. Um, but one being Explosions in the Sky and then the other is Jimmy Eat World. And You saw Jimmy Eat World? Yeah, dude, I went and saw Jimmy Eat World the other what? night. Yeah, yeah, and they were amazing and they totally had a bunch of songs that I forgot about, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they, I mean, they just had some really good stuff that had completely just left my brain. So, um, yeah, that, they were they were awesome. Um but I guess my brodown come kind of comes in two folds. Um, I I feel like I don't go see live music as much as as much as I would like to. I've definitely seen quite a few live shows in my days and some really good bands. But when I go see a band like Jimmy Eat World, who is somebody that I've totally overlooked, and you're like, okay, sweetness in the middle, sweet. But then you go see them, and they are such a good band, mm-hmm. and they just play so well in sync, and they just they killed it, man. It was so entertaining, and it was so awesome. And then you know, Explosions in the Sky—they're the band that did all the movie or all the music for Friday Night Lights, the mm-hmm. the movie, and uh, they did the intro for the TV series. And man. <laughs> I I have had some some amazing live music uh, moments in my life, but when they played the theme for Friday Night Lights, 
I, it was one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, I was just tearing up like, oh my gosh, it's just, and it's because I have that nostalgic value for that song. Like I've, I've listened to it and watched that movie and I just, I keep picturing everything. And then they had that song that comes out, uh, comes on at the end. It was like, Andy hands it off to Billingsley. And yeah. they played that, and it just oh man, I yelled it when he when they hit that break. I was like, "Any answer to Billingsley? Yes!" <laughs> it was just oh, it was so good. So um, I guess I guess the first part of my my bro down is encouraging people to go see live music. Um, I think that there's there's a lot of times when I've seen somebody's coming to town, and I'll I'll be like, "Oh, I just can't make it happen." And if you, if you do make it happen, you'll never regret it because there's yeah. just, there's something so special about seeing a band live and you can't, you can listen to a band all you want on the radio, but seeing them live is just a completely different experience. So there's nothing better than, better than live music. And I know Absolutely. you're a, you're a musician. So, I mean, playing, playing live music, there's, there's really no greater high than having, you know, having just a, a really killer song and having people applaud afterward yeah, and knowing that they enjoyed it, it just as much as mm-hmm. you did. Yeah, I'd say supporting music is a, is a huge thing. And, you know, if you see, like, uh, we just got tickets to go see Arcade Fire um, on the 20th of this month. And, like, I kind of nice. feel the same. I never go to concerts. I don't go to festivals. Um, I don't, I just don't really get out to them that often. Um, I think anytime I'm on the internet and I see the price of these things, I'm like, eh, it's all right. I'll, you know, I'm going to skip this one. But, yeah, then you actually do go to these concerts uh, or, you know, go support a band that you love, like Death Cab for Cutie. It's my favorite band. And any oh, concert, man, that concert that we went to with Death Cab, they were so good. It's oh. so good, you know, and you, you actually see these guys play. I'm super jealous that you went to uh, Jimmy Eat World, though, because they were one of my one of my favorites back in the day. Bleed American was like... Oh, dude, that's a song that I totally forgot about. They played oh. it, and I was like, are you kidding me? Did they this open with that song? No, they played it way later. They honestly later. didn't. They really didn't play much to start off that I knew at all. No. Yeah, I see. So, the thing is, I don't even know if that like if they've released an album. If they've released an album in the last ten years, I haven't heard it. No, yeah, me neither. <laughs> they're, like last five years. Sweetness is like their newest one that people know. Yeah, I only and listen so, to them. And they, I think I, that they had a new. They had a new album that they were they were promoing kind of and. Uh, it was, it was, I mean, there was a lot of good, good stuff, but man, when they got to their, their last like five or six songs, they played just, you know, Bleed American and then Sweetness and then the middle. And there was something else in there that I forgot that they did too. Yeah. And then they played that, uh, may angels lead you home. Oh man. I forgot that Hear that was by them. now and then. Like, oh man, it just, that, that song blew me away. Cause I totally had like spaced it and forgot about it. Yeah. I love so, that song. Yeah. It was fantastic. Well, it's, but, you know, uh, Concerts are, I don't know, they're an amazing experience. Well, I guess, you know, I kind of wanted to mention this today on the podcast. Um, the Vegas shootings this past week um, it was just, like, horrific, you know. And I just kind of wanted to say, like, you know, probably just from the Professor Jones podcast, our hearts go out to everybody that was involved with that. Um, and it's terrible, but it's, it's also one of those things that these things happen at a big festival or a big concert and it's probably going to, you know, deter people from going to festivals now and things like that. Um, and, you know, these musicians, you know, they're still out there, you know, touring and trying to, you know, um, you know, keep their career alive and keep going. So um, I would say, you know, continue to support your, your you know, your favorite bands and 
this is just one of those things that you just never really can you can never really uh understand and and call for um and and know when these things are going to happen but um yeah i mean it's just i i think things happen like that a lot it, and it's it's one of those things like uh movie theaters as well the dark knight you know tragedy you go to a, sit in a movie theater now and i feel like that kind of pops in the back of your head as well sometimes well, we but, talked uh, about that with, uh, you know, because if there was ever going to be a time to shoot a bunch of people up in a movie theater, Star Wars would have been it. I mean, yeah. that's like the, you're never going to find a more packed group yeah, of movie theaters in the, in the nation. So and we but, talked about that and we were like, gosh, you know, what if that happened? What if it was us? Because we were in yeah. L.A., you know, that it could have been could have been that moment. But I mean, you know, you, you just, just have to continue. Yeah, you can't. You can never. You can't, know let, when you can't like live in fear and think that that's going to happen exactly. to you all the time. Actually, um, Jimmy Eat World because I went uh, Jimmy Eat World. They they were on Monday, and so I had tickets to that concert, and it was oh, the day wow. that that Vegas shooting or the day after the Vegas shooting happened, and um, they had people patting us down at the at the pub station in Billings, yeah. and I and I told the guy I was like, thank you for doing that, man. You know. And, yeah. you know, I think that he kind of took it in a weird way because he had just, like, patted me down. And I was like, thanks for doing that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks, man. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I was I was very grateful that that, that that venue had decided to take, like, extra precautions. Because you never know if somebody's going to try to copycat that or whatever. Yeah, that's you know, it's it, these things are like an earthquake, you know. There's always aftershocks. That's mm-hmm. the that's the uh, the unfortunate deal about them. Um mm-hmm. Once somebody sees that, oh, that guy did it, that means I can do it. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. mindset. So, yeah, that is much appreciated that people do that. And there needs to be more, uh, you know, more security at events like this. But I guess the overall point that I was trying to make is, you know, what you kind of said is like you can't let these things – you can't live in fear. Um, mm-hmm. And, yes, it happened. But, uh, you know, concerts and music is – it's a universal language. And they are experiences that – that are unforgettable, like dis- Dispatch at Red Rocks. That's an experience that nobody can take away from me. You know, I got to see one of my favorite bands in the most beautiful place, one of the most beautiful venues in America. Um, yeah, Red Rocks is my favorite. Yeah. it's that, that I've been to. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, but yeah, our hearts do go out to uh, to everybody that was involved in that crazy yeah yeah for sure actually i remember at red rocks they uh they check everybody's purses and bags mm-hmm. and stuff before they go in there too so that's nice but i mean how do you control that kind of thing that's no. an entire like that's topic a whole that other, i could yeah. sit there and rant on forever yeah. though is you know the safety and uh, everything that goes into that um but the second part of my bro down uh is also you know with concerts and those concerts that i went to um something that happened during explosions in the sky and w- I-, I live in billings montana and danny grew up there um but you know it's a f- it's a smaller community uh on most scales most people you know if you live in a bigger city than billings is not considered a big city um but uh, sometimes sometimes i'm ashamed of the people that live in my city and when bands come to our town and or you know stand up comedy is another big one yeah um but man like when explosions in the sky they they had some amazing songs and they would just go so hard and play so loud and then they would dial it back and you'd have these very like slow melodic uh instrumental portions of the song i mean it's all instrumental but um it'd be very quiet you know because the artist is trying to illustrate a point and he's trying to trying to build tension and come up with something really cool and it's like the noise level in the room would just rise so much and you have all these people that just start talking 
and just completely not paying attention to the music. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that's, that's a big, that's a big problem for me. And this happens at music. It happens at live comedy. It happens during plays. It happens during just it happens about during movies. You know? During movies too, yeah, you know, and you and I have experienced this too when we're playing music, and people just don't—they don't stop talking when you're playing music, which is fine. Yeah. You know, it's like you're there. Music can be in the background. It's a but social event, you know. Yeah, it's a social event, and that's—and I totally, totally respect that. But when you're talking like above a certain level, you're being rude. You know, yeah. it's super yeah. hard to focus on what you're trying to do. And so that's, I mean, that's one of my my biggest pet peeves and something that if anybody's listening to this, next time you go to a concert, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> just shut up. Nobody yeah. cares about your opinion. Don't yell stuff out. Like, don't, yeah. just just be quiet and listen to the music. <laughs> Flash be, be back positive. to you. Billingsley. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, but that type of stuff's okay. You know, now I'm thinking of like more of like live comedy when people, you know, hecklers and stuff like that. Oh, I know. That's that's the biggest times that I've been like ashamed of Billings is when I go to live comedy. Um, I think a couple years, or this was like a year and a half ago or something. I went and saw Dave Chappelle, and gosh, people were just yelling stuff out and so rude. And oh man, I mean, it was just gosh. One time I went to Tosh. Daniel Tosh and somebody yelled something like "Go Steelers" or something like that, and he just tore this guy apart because of that same reason. And he's like, "What are you? Why are you yelling out Go Steelers' at a live comedy event when you're in Billing?" <laughs> you know, like he just yeah. is like, "What are you from Pittsburgh?" And you just have yeah. to get your point made. But anyway, people just say stupid stuff. I know. Well, it's the worst. So when disrespectful. It, you know, like it's tough when it's your city, but it's I think it's the worst when it's like somebody in your group that you're with. <laughs> And you look down the line at your friend and you're just like, oh, man, come on. Because then all of a sudden, you know, the the guy next to you says something and then the comedian looks over in that general direction and, like, makes eye contact with you. And you're like, come on. I don't want this guy <laughs> yeah. to think that I'm the guy. That I'm going to do that, like, <laughs> kind of the, the eyes down, like, you know, wave it off. Like, this, they aren't with me, man. Like, I don't. That's not I don't know that guy. He might as yeah. well, you know, I, I, I don't know him. I dude I yeah there's nothing more embarrassing than being with the person that's really loud I know yeah it's tough it's uh it's just one of those things but yeah you know I love that though be respectful yeah be respectful you know because being on the other side of it as a musician when you're on the other side um it is it's it makes it hard to concentrate you know I'm fortunate that my show is pretty active now so it involves a lot of comedy and involves a lot of uh crowd chatter so people can you know come but you know some musicians are up there and they're playing you know i used to get up there and play six original songs and i was just so into these songs that i had written in this you know heartfelt and uh yeah when people would talk i'd be like you know come on (laughs) you're not listening to me (laughs) you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's yeah it's a tough, tough life for comedians and, and musicians. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that's about all I had to say on that. So that's the bro down. That's yeah. That was basically my bro down. So, okay. Yeah. Go to live awesome. music. And when you go to it, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> when you go to it, shut up, please. Um, mine is actually, cause I, I figured that since we're talking about Blade Runner 2049, um, 2K49. 2K49. Uh, <laughs> what is it? 2KSO? What's the Rogue One? Uh, I think it's K2SO. K2SO. Blade Runner K2SO. 
Um, <laughs> I kind of figured that we'd be talking about the original film quite a bit to to start. Yeah, Is that kind yeah. of the format you wanted. So my, uh, it's funny. I was just reading the news earlier, and uh, a piece about Ridley Scott popped up. And I've been researching the crap about Ridley Scott recently, just because he drives me nuts. This guy, I just can't even. It's seriously that's that's like the biggest millennial statement, but it's the truth. I just can't even. <laughs> um, what do you mean? He like frustrates you that he's not making movies as high quality and high caliber as he used to? He's just uh, he's just a bit of a psycho, um, and you can tell in interviews. As I've watched more um, more interviews and kind of researched him a little more, he's starting to drive me even more <coughs> nuts. Um, but, yeah, so I, my bro down is just kind of about Ridley Scott. Um, my biggest pet peeve with the, with this was, okay, so we have Blade Runner, um, and we have, I mean, the replicants, um, and basically they're just made for, you know, they're engineered slave laborers, you know, and this is like the original film, and then Deckard, um, is supposedly a human, and there was always this theory about the original that oh gosh, Deckard, I know Deckard going could with be this. a replicant, you know, and mm-hmm. so uh, it's it's like the top spinning at the end of Inception, and Christopher Nolan kind of leaves that question mark at the end of that movie, and Ridley Scott, thirty years later, just in an interview, goes, "Oh yeah, Deckard is a replicant, absolutely, hundred percent. That's what I meant," and he just says it boldly, and you're like, "Oh man." <laughs> You just blew it. Like all the all the hype and the questioning about that. And also it just doesn't really even make that much sense. Even though I'm on board with it after watching 2049 and like, you know, after watching Blade Runner the other night, like I'm on board with it. It's okay that he's a replicant. I think that's cool. Um, like looking it is. at him. Go ahead. Well, you know, Sean, uh, what's the, the character's name? Sean Young, the actress. What's her name in Blade Runner? I kind of forget. Oh, Rachel. Um, Rachel. It's a love interest. You know, she's the first, she's a brand new model of replicant. Um, and the, one of the first replicants to have memory implants and all these things. And then he's saying that Deckard, which would be an extremely older model, and who's thought he's a human his entire life, randomly is a replicant. It just doesn't, like, doesn't really make sense. Most of the replicants at this point know that they're replicants. But he could be a brand. He could have been a brand new replicant right before the start yeah, of I mean, the first one, and all if, of his memories are just implanted. So he if, could have been along the same lines. He could as have Rachel. been a brand new one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's it just. I don't know. It's just one of those things that you know. Obviously, it kind of made a lot of people mad. And I actually have a quote because because <laughs> Harrison Ford doesn't agree with it whatsoever. Um, No, that was like a big point of contention when uh, they were filming because... And the writers and, you know. Yeah, because Harrison Ford said, I don't think that he's a replicant and I'm not going to play the character like that. And then Ridley Scott said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then throughout the shooting, he kept being like, no, 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 I I think he is kind of thing. And kind of kept changing his mind about it. And it's like Alien as well, kind of just like going back and doing all this. So what just started to backtrack a little bit? What started me down this was I saw a an article that Ridley Scott's new Alien film is going to be more like whatever they're co- what whatever David is Android thing synthetic more and yeah more synthetic than Xenomorph like even more synthetic than Xenomorph 
and they're really straying away. And I'm just like, oh, man. Because Prometheus is a good movie. Uh, it kind of disappointed me. Alien Covenant really disappointed me. Um, and so Ridley Scott, I don't know, man. He's just strange. But, yeah, so this is about Harrison Ford, and this is an actual quote taken from Ridley Scott himself. And he says, and I quote, this is, I'm sorry, this is a long quote. Oh, it was always my thesis theory. It was one or two people who were relevant were, I can't remember if Hampton agreed with me or not, but I remember someone said, well, isn't it corny? This is about being a replicant. I said, listen, I'll be the best judge of that. I'm the director, okay? So, and that you learn, you know, by then I'm 44 and I'm no chicken. I'm a very experienced director from commercials and the duelist and alien. So I'm able to, you know, answer that with confidence at the time and say, you know, back off. And what's it going to be? And Harrison, he was never, I don't remember actually, I think Harrison was going, uh, I don't know about that. I said, but you have to be because Gaff, who leaves a trail of origami everywhere, will leave a little piece of origami at the end of the movie to say, I've been here. I left her alive and I can't resist letting you know what's in his most private thoughts. When you get drunk is, is letting you know that it's a effing unicorn, right? So I love Beavis and Butthead. So what should follow that is, duh, so now it will be revealed one way or another. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, that's really loud. That was really long. But that is a word-for-word quote of what this guy said. And I'm sure you Dude, had I thought no that idea. You were like, I thought that you were trying to like no, figure that, stuff out in the middle of that. That's actually word-for-word. Word. That's word-for-word what he said. <laughs> oh my gosh it's like where are you going <laughs> bud like, and this is what frustrates me because i'm sure you just listen to that whole thing and you're like oh boy he's he doesn't know what he's talking about and i'm like no i just read this word for word he, harrison he was never i don't remember actually i think harrison was going uh i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> so i love beavis and butthead so what should follow that is duh <laughs> It's like, what does that even mean? I don't know, man. <laughs> no, and that's that's also something that's I mean that's really funny because I don't think that he really understands how to how to uh, articulate what he's thinking. Um, but I mean, but what what you should be saying is well, what I think. Uh, <laughs> I just start doing it too, um, you know. So. But that's something funny about Ridley Scott is that I don't think that he ever really understands what his movies are because he's con- he constantly is coming out with different cuts. I mean, I yeah. think there's something like close to 10 different versions of Blade Runner and yeah. the final cut was the one that he said is the the best version or whatever. But a lot of people still just go with the theatrical cut. And I watched it like a month or so ago, and I was trying to figure out which one to go with. And I think we ended up going with the like original director's cut. So it was the one that came out a couple years after. I have I have no idea. Yeah, no, know. but I mean, it's like it's, like it's not really, really that what you watched. It's not really that important to me though, because I think that the movie the movie stays the same you know if you get that last little unicorn then it kind of is that shout out like oh okay deckard might be a replicant yeah and and that's and that's the point that that's the thing to take away from the movie you Uh know so yeah and it has a lot of other themes besides that and maybe ridley scott didn't even know what he was doing that's kind of how what i feel like happened 
he wrote this movie, made this movie, and then people kind of take from it what they want. Um, well, it Ridley up- Scott is a really good world builder, you know? Yeah. He makes, he makes very cool and awesome worlds in which characters can operate, and we've seen that time and time again, but perhaps he isn't the best uh, character. Storyteller, yeah. Yeah, maybe he isn't the best storyteller. But, you know, this movie is considered a, you know, um, a classic because of how amazing this world was. Like, it really is. And mm-hmm. watching it the other day again, um, it blew my mind, to be honest. I mean, I was just, I had forgot a few things. Um, and uh, Rucker Hauer, that actor, and I forget what his uh, replicant's name is in the movie. Um, yeah, shoot, I can't remember either. His performance alone <clears throat> is worth the watch. I mean, that mm-hmm. last scene, and he like improvised uh, that Tears in the Rain line mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um I mean, I just, yeah, I loved his performance in it. I had forgotten completely that he saves Deckard. Like, Deckard's hanging from that, and he could just let him die, and then he saves him. Like, that. Because, I mean, he's going to expire. He's going to die pretty quick. So it's like he might as well just have one genuine moment of humanity before Uh he goes out. So it's insane. So, yeah, yeah. nothing against Blade Runner. That's kind of where I'm going with this. Just Ridley Scott is a little frustrating to me. That's kind of my bro down. He's just a. I don't know. Well, I love Ridley Scott. I mean, I think that he's he's amazing, but he's definitely had some very very strange decisions and interesting moments, and especially in the last like ten years. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at his you look at his filmography, and it's like, man, where you where you been? You know, it's like then he comes yeah. out with The Martian, and it's just so awesome. And you're like, can yeah. you do that all the time? Can please you do that more. Yeah, please. and I mean, Gladiator is my favorite movie of all time, and you know, how amazing is that flick? Yeah. But, Incredible. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes he just captures lightning in a bottle and then And other times not. Yeah, fails feel, for like three movies. It's kinda I think there's just an overall theme with directors sometimes that create an amazing world. Um it's not like Peter Jackson created um, you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien ha- had that that vision, but he took it and it was like you said, kind of like lightning in a bottle. Those three Lord of the Rings movies are incredible. And then he kind of went a little far trying to make The Hobbit. And The Hobbit just didn't really answer. George Lucas, Star Wars, incredible. Kind of went a little far making the prequels. Um, mm-hmm. And Ridley mm-hmm. Scott, I feel like, you know, luckily he didn't direct Blade Runner 2049. I'm sure he had a hand in the story. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that. Yeah, but, uh, you know, luckily he didn't direct this movie. Um, so we're good there, but you know, as far as alien goes, it's kind of that similar theme. Like Mm -hmm. you nailed it with alien and then you get these new movies where he kind of tries to take back control Prometheus and alien covenant. And it's just, it's almost like he's just a little high on himself, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and then maybe we should, maybe we should hop into the, the blade runner. Cause I want to, I want to talk about the first blade runner for at least just a few minutes. Um, before we get, before we get into this though. Because I think that there's a lot of interesting things to to take away from that movie and to better understand Blade Runner 2049. Um, And you were talking about uh, how uh, Ridley Scott is, we were talking about how he's an amazing world builder and he's had some very successful movies and Alien, we don't want to take away from that at all. But other than Alien, if if you look throughout his filmography and you look at some of the really, really awesome hits, I mean, you look at like Gladiator or The Martian or Kingdom of Heaven or Blade Runner, um, a lot of these are 
are are based off of either works of fiction or historical events. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if Ridley Scott is necessarily the guy that's coming up with these amazing stories, but he's more somebody that can take a story that's already been told and put it onto the screen in a very, very awesome way Mm -hmm. that makes you that that makes you fall into that world and it turns it into a world that you can really cherish. Um, And that's not to say that he comes up with all this stuff himself anyway. I mean, he and this in um, this one, Hampton Fancher is the co-writer of uh, the original Blade, Blade Runner, uh, so he deserves a lot of credit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, with Blade Runner, the person you got to look at is Philip K. Dick. Um, are you? Do you know who Philip K. Dick is? No, no. The, he's a he wrote the original novel called "Do Androids Dream of Electric yeah. Sheep?" Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, he's one of the best sci-fi writers out there. He wrote, uh, like, you know, A Scanner Darkly. Um, A lot of elements from Total Recall were uh, from Philip K. Dick, and same with Minority Report. Um, But Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep was one of his most prominent and most classic books that he ever did. And um, I read it a long time ago. I'm I'm not as familiar with it anymore, but um, it's very good, and they kind of... They really took their liberties in, you know, making it into the movie that it is, turning it into Blade Runner. Uh, but it's very good. But it, a lot of the themes that are so important in Blade Runner are very prevalent in Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Because just in that sentence, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Because there's fake robotic sheep and pets and stuff in the book. And they play on that in the movies as well. But, um, you know, when a robot goes to bed, when a replicant goes to bed, do they count electric sheep or do they count real sheep do they even dream uh and then that puts into the question if you know i think therefore i am if you are a living entity that thinks and has emotions and has all the elements of a human being do you have a soul are you real and that's and that's kind of the the fundamental question of Blade Runner and something that um, Deckard has to try to figure out throughout that original movie because mm-hmm. the first time you watch it you just think he's a human and then it gets to the end and they kind of start they kind of start throwing those hints hints at you that he's a replicant and so by the time you get to the end you're like oh my gosh is he a replicant yeah and it's it's this amazing journey to watch it again for the second time as you look at this character and you think you know. Does this guy even have a soul? Am I just watching yeah. a robot like just stumble through this world the entire time? Yep. So uh, that that was something that I that I really enjoyed about about the original film. Um, and also, it's just it's one of those iconic sci-fi films that uh, set a precedent for every sci-fi film afterward. You mm-hmm. can look at just about any science fiction movie um, after this, and they're taking things away from Blade Runner, much like Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. I think it's yep. one of those movies that really set the Interstellar, stage. Interstellar, I mean, you know. Interstellar, definitely. But like, think about like Fifth Element. How yeah. much is that reminiscent of Blade Runner? You know, there's yeah, a lot absolutely. of a lot of similarities. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like Blade Runner a lot, but I definitely don't enjoy watching it that much. I think it's a beautiful, amazing piece of art in an amazing movie, but this kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week with some, there's just some movies that when you watch it, it's, it's a bit dated and I didn't really necessarily grow up watching Blade Runner, so it doesn't have that much nostalgic value for me. And so when I watch it now, it's more me trying to convince myself that I should like this rather than actually really enjoying it. 
because yeah. I watch it and it puts these and it makes me think about stuff and it's like, oh, wow, that's a really, co- really cool thought, blah, blah, blah. But it's just so dated that I don't entirely enjoy it that much, you know? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It is, in some ways, it's, uh, you know, Ridley Scott's a visionary and like you said, it is just a piece of art, you know? Like there's certain scenes, uh, I was watching this um, review on YouTube and there's certain scenes that like, they'll go on for 20 seconds after the actors are like out of the scene just to kind of give you a, you know, a perspective to what this world is and kind of open that up, which it's beautiful and it's awesome. Um, but yeah, as the viewer, like, you know, I don't want to watch this every day, (laughs) you know, because it is, it's very slow moving. Um, it's, especially if it's your first time viewing it, it's super confusing just because some of the dialogue is a little muddled here and there, and um, you just don't really know what's going on. I remember the first time I watched this movie. Uh, it Well, maybe not the first time. Maybe I watched it when I was a kid. But, like, the more recent, like, kind of first viewing that I had of it, I really had no idea what was going on <laughs> the entire time. Maybe if I would have paid attention a little more, I would have really gotten it. But, yeah, this time around, I really paid attention. And so, yeah, I I enjoy the movie. I I understand why it is the classic that it is. Um, and I really enjoy the themes that it brings out, but yeah, it is a hard, it's a hard watch. It's hard to like Mm -hmm. sit there and stay focused throughout this entire movie. There's certain key points, especially like that last, you know, that last little scene, um, when the replicant, uh, the Rucker Howard, that guy, when he dies, like that scene, that's one of like the better scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Um, Mm -hmm. it's very emotional. But, you know, it's just like about getting to that point just takes a long, long time. But it's beautiful. You know, it is. It is. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Blade. I mean, Blade Runners, it's an amazing movie and it totally deserves all of the all of the uh, acclaim that it has. It does. Like, there's no way to like there's really not a way to like trash talk it at all. No, you know, no, you I, and you can't because it's iconic and it's incredible. I, like I feel like I'm I'm okay kind of trashing Ridley Scott a little bit <laughs> just because of like just just in his Blade Runner world. Um just because of, you know, certain things he's said, but in no way does it really take away from my experience in this movie. You know, it doesn't yeah. like none of that like ruins this movie for me or can take away anything cuz it's, you know, it's Blade Runner. But that's that's a big point that that I wanted to bring up um, is the fact that Ridley Scott did say that, yes, Deckard is a replicant. And that just ruins the point of Blade Runner to me. Like that, because such a big moment in watching that movie is that it is the the top spinning at the end of Inception. I mean, yeah, it's like Christopher Nolan saying the top stopped, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like you (laughs) watch that movie and you have in your head. I don't know what he is. I don't know what he is. Everybody has their own version in their head of like, yes, I believe he's a replicant. I've always said, I don't think he's a replicant. I think that he's just a guy. I yeah. think that he's just a very confused guy. And, you know, he's he went through all this stuff and seeing Rachel go through what she had to go through and made him question his own life journey. Mm-hmm. And so that I've always I've always really enjoyed thinking that thinking about that. And so to come out and say definitively he's a replicant, that's just BS to me. That's so that, that just makes me so angry. Yeah, um, it's, well, and in it's the, a power and in the play. book. I could be I could be mistaken in this because it's been a long time since I read the novel, but I'm pretty sure that they leave it fairly ambiguous 
clues, but they hint more toward the fact that Deckard is a human and not yeah. that, that he's not a replicant. But I don't think they ever definitively say it. I could be wrong on that, and somebody will probably correct me. And I which wish is nobody would have ever said anything. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just I think the ambiguity of it is just it just makes it that much better. Mm-hmm. So, and if you notice in this in this new one, I mean, well, let's let's hold off. We'll, we'll wait to get yeah. the spoilers because there is a lot to spoil in this movie. So, uh-huh. um, any other thought, thoughts on the original Blade Runner? Uh, I think the replicants were incredible, and I thought Harrison Ford's performance was a different performance than you've ever really seen of his. And it's great. I mean, it's a it's a great movie. There's there's a lot of stuff that you can research about this movie. All the director's cuts and Harrison Ford's, um, you know, talking over. Uh, what is it like the voiceover that he did for this movie? There's a lot of stuff you can like research and that'll kind of make you hate on it or like trash on it. But at the end of the day, it's it is an excellent movie. It's an excellent movie. So. Yeah, no, I I agree. Yeah. yeah, it's an excellent movie, and I I've thought that same thing. I've kind of last time I watched it, I was thinking to myself, I don't know if Harrison Ford did the most incredible job during this movie, but it's you know, it's a good performance. There's nothing yeah. wrong with yeah. it. I don't think that he was necessarily having the time of his life, though. <laughs> yeah, you know what you I mean? Can, yeah, because <laughs> it's like in Indiana Jones, and you know, at least in Episode Four of Star Wars, you can tell that he's having a blast, and you know, many of his other performances after that, you can tell he's having a good time. Air Force time. One. It's uh, <laughs> big Air one, man. Air Force One. <laughs> Air Force One, and no, but um, so anyway, yeah, Harrison Ford's great, and the original Blade Runner is fantastic. But let's dive, let's dive into uh, Blade Runner Two K Four Nine. I'm I'm excited to talk about it. K2SO. <laughs> Let's do it. Um so for, first off, what did you think of all the little shorts? There were three animated shorts that the director Denny Villeneuve uh had three other directors uh make. One of two of them were about 5 minutes long and then one of one of them was like a 15 minute animated mm-hmm. short. And I thought those were awesome. Yeah. I just thought that that was such a cool marketing campaign cuz you didn't necessarily need all that information. But it was so nice to have that information. Uh-huh. Going like, into the I, I don't think it would have ruined the movie for me had I not seen them, but it did make it better for me. It helped build it up and hype it up for mm-hmm. me, definitely. Mm-hmm. Also, it, just seeing Leto uh, in the one is great. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, seeing yeah. him and then kind of getting, like, a uh, a view as to what his character is and stuff. It's pretty – it's sweet. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but I want to talk about the animated, the anime one for, for just a second, because I think this kind of helps set up, set up the world that, that they're living in. Um, so to the best of my knowledge, this takes place in a post-apocalyptic world in which there was a large World War III type event that took place. And everybody's kind of living in the aftermath of that. And so now you have a society which is kind of a collaboration of various different cultures. That's why you see mostly Chinese, Russian, and American uh, language everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of see like the Soviet Union and America and the Chinese kind of 
pooling together their resources and just making one global society. Yep. And so that's and that's what I took away from that. And then they have started to go off world and because they've utilized they've used all the resources of Earth. And so now they've split off into various different other off world planets. And that's why they use the replicants to build those. They're yep. slave labor. Slave labor. That, yeah. Yeah. They're slave labor that can spread themselves throughout the galaxy. Uh, so I thought that it's just an incredibly amazing world that they set up. And, you know, a lot of that's due to Philip K. Dick. But, um, I mean, that's it's just such an interesting, interesting world. And, you know, I wouldn't have said this. I wouldn't have said this about the original Blade Runner. But now that I've seen Blade Runner 2049, I can't think of a post-apocalyptic world that I think is cooler than this. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's especially since they took that vision, because when did the original Blade Runner come out? 1982? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, thinking about what they what they viewed the future as at that time. <laughs> yeah, 2019, two years from now, we're going to be living in the world that Blade Runner I lives can't in. wait, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, it's really interesting to think about the way that they viewed, the way that they would view pretty much modern day society. And then they fast forward about 30 years. And then it's, you know, the technology and everything, everything that they have uh, in 2019 is 30 years forward from there. So we're looking, we're looking at a recreation or a creation of what people in 1980 thought that 19 or 2049 would look like you know what i mean it's just such yeah, a beautiful yeah. it's such a cool concept and that's and i loved it and i thought that denny villeneuve did a really good job of of uh of taking things forward too i know so, man. yeah and they they use they pay homage to a lot of the stuff that was used in the original um and then kind of just yeah expand it from there but i really mm. love that 2019 thing I with the think, fact that yeah yeah i just think that's so funny los angeles 2019 and i'm like is this really is this what's gonna happen <laughs> we're gonna be here like a year and a half <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be me but the uh the anime the anime short uh was about 15 minutes and it basically mm-hmm. goes over the accounts of how the blackout happened that they uh, they referenced quite a few times in 2021, uh-huh. but a group of replicants tried to upset the established order and um, pretty much delete all information that was yeah. online. So anything online basically got deleted and all they had were like hard files. And after I that. loved how little things were referenced in 2049 about that. Like it really, as soon as uh, that was said, as soon as they talked about the blackout, I was like, oh, yeah. I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. and it's amazing to think about if if that happened, it would definitely take a while for for society to reboot itself. Yeah, using paper copies for you know paper for everything. I mean, yeah, the only backups they had were just like files. Yeah, yeah, files. and so they would have to take everything from paper and put it back into computers because obviously society would keep going and they'd yeah. be able to recreate all this stuff that they already. And reboot everything, but if they lost all the information, then, you know, that guy's talking about, oh, that was one of my favorite lines, too, uh, when he's talking about, the, my mom constantly complains, you know, how she lost all our baby pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and Ryan Gosling's like, you must have been adorable. You must be, yeah, and the guy's face is just like... <laughs> 
<laughs> that was that was a great line. Six two, but, big teeth, kind of gangly. <laughs> but yeah, so so I really, I just really, I really thought that that was that was cool that they that they showed fifteen minutes of the blackout happening, and then they referenced it so many times during the movie, and it was a uh, it was a really really cool really cool concept. So yeah, I loved that, and I've never really seen a movie do that before. So mm-hmm. it's pretty I mean, it's like if Star Wars leading up to Force Awakens made something. You know, this is what was happening in the middle um, yeah. of this time period. You know, but yeah. Could you get your hand off the screen, please? Is my hand on the screen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just blocking me. It's like if Star Wars. <laughs> he had his hand like literally sitting on the face, letting it sitting in front of his camera, so I could only see his knuckle. I was picking my nose. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I loved it. I loved those little shorts. That was so clever and 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 cool. That they did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. Are you still looking um, behind you too <laughs> from the it podcast? You yeah, still, I mean it is October still, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely pretty, really, really airy. Um, big sports nut, huh? big sports nut. So you go ahead and just talk, do your general thoughts on Blade Runner twenty forty nine because we we should both do some general thoughts and then and then we'll get into all the spoiler stuff because there's some stuff we got to some spoil. spoiled potatoes coming up. Here That's quick. right. <laughs> um, my spoiled undies. <laughs> no. um, so I we went to this opening night. Um, I had to work the next morning, so this is a little start. I had to work in pretty early. I had to wake up pretty early in the morning, and uh, I saw the runtime right before we went, <laughs> and I saw it was two hours and forty three minutes, and I was like, oh, dang it! I guess I'm not, you know I just really didn't expect it to be that long. You never see that anymore, like a movie that long like two hours and 43 minutes that's a long run time also i will say by the end of this movie i was going dang it i wish it was longer <laughs> you know no so, yeah totally that's a great sign um we went to the chinese theater here in in uh in hollywood and um from the opening scene on i was blown away to be honest it was more so like opening scene the eye opens shows like that eye and then it it shows his car or whatever speeder thing flying through the sky and uh the sound immediately from that first shot on just kind of blew me away like it literally starts with just like a boom you know shaking the entire theater and you're like whoa what are we getting into here (laughs) you know Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and so yeah general thoughts man i i was absolutely blown away by this movie it was I didn't think after Dunkirk that another movie would come along um, that had even crazier sound and uh, and just the vision of this movie, the things in every single shot. It's like there were periods in this movie that it was kind of slow moving, but everything that you're looking at on the screen completely carries it, you know? It doesn't matter if it's like a slow scene or a quick scene because there's so much detail to everything. It's the cool visually. It's the most stunning movie I've ever seen. Like it was just incredible, and it's it's hard to say. Like you know, even over like Mad Max Fury Road, like it's that's it's a really hard. good that's a good one to bring up. It is because these are those are the only two movies recently. I guess I mean Dunkirk was amazing. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I was. A little disappointed in Dunkirk in certain areas, 
But I'd say Mad Max and this were the two biggest surprises I've had. Not to say that I didn't expect this movie to be cool. I was kind of picturing more of like a Ghost in the Shell type visual fun movie. And uh, yeah, what we got was just, I don't know, man. It was just incredible. Ryan Gosling, perfect cast. Um, I thought the way that they utilized Harrison Ford, you know, from the commercials, you kind of just figured he was going to be in like a lot of the movie, and then they kind of he he wasn't in that much, you know, which was um, great, which was perfect. He was in it like the perfect amount, perfect. and uh, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, you know, opening thoughts, I thought it was perfect. <laughs> 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 no, but uh and Leto too. You get Leto in there. Oh, and You love Leto. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not a big I'm not as high on Leto as a lot of people are. I think it's something about the way the way I feel like he tries to be um much like Daniel Day Lewis, where you know he's a method just, actor. Yeah, such a method actor and I don't know if he's necessarily proved himself that much to me. I mean, he just hasn't had anything that I've, like, absolutely loved him in yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. What about he's Dallas always... Buyers Club? Was, I have the poster really of him in Dallas Buyers Club in my room. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a pretty big fan of just about any movie from the 1980s dealing with the AIDS epidemic. I mean, you're a big Philadelphia guy, too, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%, dude. Um... I don't know, dude. Leto's <laughs> Leto's I don't know, dude. He's my best friend, so I love him. So Sorry, I feel like that was a best up joke. Uh it was. It was. Sure was. <laughs> <laughs> Philly cheesesteak. Um, I don't know. We're uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, Leto Leto was Leto was great. But... I have a picture of him in my wallet. I guess that's <laughs> <laughs> that, that ends the conversation. <laughs> Him and Tom Hardy photoshopped together like, hey, and me in the middle, like best friends at Disneyland or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the picture of him from Fight Club just wanted to destroy something after he gets destroyed something beautiful. After he gets destroyed something beautiful. <laughs> do you remember that scene? I do. I do. Yeah, okay. He okay. Gets, he gets messed up. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I just, this movie blew me away. I, I, uh, and after watching Blade Runner, um, and loving it, you know, I thought Blade Runner was great, and I got through it, and I loved it, and then going to this movie, uh, man, it was just so good. I'm gonna go again. I think I'm gonna go again. I think I'll have to see it one more time in theaters. I can't. I, I think... can see it that many more times. It's because it's it. It's, it's not a Star Wars like, where I can go see it nine times. Exactly. <laughs> it's very much like the original, to where it is slow moving, and uh, they did a really great job of making like almost a, like a similar feeling movie. Um, mm-hmm. it's not like a complete adventure or something like that. It doesn't like, it doesn't, I don't know. It's not this crazy ride or anything like that. It just puts you in this world and tells a story. Um, puts you in a world that you've never seen just like Mad Max does. So yeah, I definitely will see it one more time though. And I'll definitely get it on, on a uh, Blu-ray when it comes out. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is a half to own on Blu-ray. It's mm-hmm. gotta be on the shelf. Yeah, uh, if I had to describe uh, Blade Runner 2049 in one word, I would probably say long. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Probably say Um, snooze. (laughs) (laughs) What a bore. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I I was one of the first 
like when I saw the the runtime on it, my immediate thought was nice. Yeah. Because I mean, I don't think that necessarily having a long runtime is indicative of it being a good movie, but you could tell that at least the director was confident that what he has is worth watching for yeah, two hours or forty five minutes. This is the director's minutes. cut. He made that yeah. announcement. You know. Yeah, and and man, I I think that just just like you said, I mean, it's just it's just such a good interpretation of the original. I mean, it's it's such a good continuation of the story, and Denny Villeneuve just really really nailed the feel of it. Uh, whoever did the cinematography, it was it was beautiful, it was gorgeous. Um, the score was awesome, and the acting was superb. There's not a single there's not a single character that I didn't that I disliked. I know every single every single person in it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that has to do with direction too, but yeah, I I really liked it. It, it. And I was excited because this is something I was gonna say when the podcast started is that hey man, this is the first really good movie that we've done that we've talked about. You know yeah. what I mean? <clears throat> like I think that, and I don't want to I don't want to insult Dunkirk at all, but Dunkirk or School was, of Rock. Or School of Rock, um, but, but there's like mixed. There was mixed emotions with Dunkirk because Dunkirk, I feel yeah. is, I feel like that's the best movie that we've talked about so far. At least it's a new movie. I mean, we've talked about some great older movies, but um, Dunkirk was a great new movie. But I had mixed feelings about it. I had mixed emotions. Yeah. And with this one, I can't think of any way in which this movie could be better. This was yeah. perfect. It was perfect. It was perfect, and it's without the T too. It's perfect. Yeah, perfect. No T. So, start saying "perfect" without the T. It'll it'll bug people, and it's it beautiful. It bugs Maybe people, we can get and it's it to, awesome. Yeah, We're gonna start great. a movement. Everybody's gonna get like purple shirts that have the word "perfect" <laughs> on it, and no, it, there's gonna be like no reason behind it. But we'll, eventually, we'll fill like auditoriums, and I'll be the speaker, and I'll be like, "And everybody said," and everybody goes, <laughs> "Perfect!" And it's just gonna be this crazy movement. Um, Saw this guy moon me the other day, and there, and he had it written, had it written on there, P E R on the one cheek. Sure enough. FEC right there on the other. FEC right there on the other. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. H-A-P-P-Y right there on the other. Anyway, um, yeah, so I uh, yeah, I love it. But let's let's get into some of the major players here. I think that we've we've already talked about quite a few of them. Um Philip K. Dick, obviously he's the one that this was all based off of. It's his novel, so he deserves the credit for a yeah, lot of the story. Yeah, this guy had balls, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, why would you say that? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I can't control it, you know. Sometimes I have to. Like, I just can't. I'm sorry. It's just... Oh. Oh, gosh. Okay. This all tried to be, I mean, the idea of trying to be appropriate on a podcast like this is a complete fallacy. It's so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, But yeah, Philip K. Dick, I wonder if this is the time to say something like this. This is a whole other conversation, but I got to get it out because if we talked about this during a Matrix episode, then it would it we could. But um, Philip K. Dick, there's actually an interview that he did in like 1975, let's say, it could be 73, I'm not sure. But he totally had the idea for the Matrix already. Really? Yeah, dude, it's crazy, and I and I don't know if there's much. Uh, I, I don't have much to back up saying that the Wachowskis. Uh, 
they went to him or had any ideas from him. I'm sure they were heavily influenced by his work. But, um, yeah, he has this interview where he talks about I, he was on some sort of drug, but he um, – he had this vision where he was living in a world that was com- like a computer program. And he talks about how he had, you know, people have memories of past lives and stuff. And he was having a memory of a current life that was just, he was living in an alternate reality of what the real world actually is. And so he was saying that he lived in a computer program. And then he even goes as far to say that the only, the only way that we realize that we're in a computer program is that we see things happening um, we'll see like a recurrence of something that already happened. Deja vu, deja vu, which is totally a theme in the Matrix. So anyway, I just thought that was totally interesting. Wow, that's a trip. I know, man. Seriously, look up Philip K. Dick and uh, the like. The Matrix. Um, Didn't look he up make Philip the K. shaft Dick Matrix. too? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, good one. Um, but yeah, look look that up on YouTube because yeah. it's like a it's like a six minute six minute speech that he gives and it's totally it's so worth inter- listening to well there was, um, there was a couple of, like the somebody came forward and said that the Wachowskis stole their idea as well um which you know it's a it's just a i'm sure it's just like a popular it's a popular idea but hey man you know nothing's original anymore exactly so it's like music when people say that they copied like a song or something it's like well okay well, it's G C D E minor. Like what are you yeah. what are you complaining about? Exactly. What can I do? I wrote yeah. different lyrics. <laughs> yeah. You know. So uh, Yeah. But so Phil Kiddick, great. Um Denny Villeneuve, I he's one of the best directors of the current time. I mean yeah, yeah. he did Sicario and Prisoners, which both were really good movies. Not necessarily something I need to watch you know, again. I didn't see Prisoners. You could do with that. I mean, it's it's a really entertaining movie. If you missed it by now, I don't think it's that relevant anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, it was still a really good movie, for sure. Um, but I was blown away with Arrival. Arrival was one of my I, favorite I movies I didn't see Arrival year. either. Dude, Arrival is so good. You have to see Arrival. Arrival is incredible. It's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Must see. Mediocre. Must see. Yeah, mediocre at best, so... <laughs> okay yeah no but and so uh, you know and so for him to take this on and something that i found really interesting when i was doing some research for this movie is that uh denny villeneuve he had multiple times would state that he understands the implications of what he's doing he knows the pressure that he's under that people are either going to love or hate this film and that he could totally ruin something that so many people love and that's the risk you take when you're uh making an artistic uh uh you know, making a making a a creation, you know, an artistic mm-hmm. creation based off somebody else's previous work, and so um, yeah, he he had such a such a good attitude about it, just saying, hey, I know what I'm doing. This could totally ruin everybody's interpretation of this, but this is this is what I want to do. I was asked to do it, and so I'm going to do it. And Ryan he, Johnson, yeah, 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 totally. and and he was he was apprehensive to take the project on. But then he read the uh, he read the screenplay that Hampton Fancher, who was the co-writer of the original, uh, he wrote it with Ridley Scott, and then Michael Green, who is a new uh, new screenplay writer. Um, but those two came up with the script or the screenplay, and then Denny Villeneuve and Harrison Ford both looked at it and were like, "Yeah, we're on board. We're good. This will be this will be amazing." That's awesome. Yeah. So isn't that cool? That it's like it was it was a good it was good before him, and he just yeah. made it so much better. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, can't give can't give that guy enough love. But um, yep, Ryan Gosling, he's just at the peak. He's he is man. I I want to see him in something else. You know, 
Just anything. Give me anything Gosling right now because he really is like. Well, after, dude, after La La Land and then I this, I mean, he's he's not going to be hurting for jobs anytime he soon. He's killing it. Yeah. He's like, and know, he got nominated for Best Actor for La La Land, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. 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 Obviously. I don't know yeah. if this, I mean, this will definitely win some, win some Oscars. I don't know if it's going to get any Best Acting. It'll get it'll get a nom for I would say best sound editing, um, best uh, like cinematography. And I bet it'll uh, get the I bet score it'll get gets picture. a nomination. Like it'll. I bet it'll, it'll get, get a nominated. best picture nom too. I don't know if there'll be any actor performances in it that'll get nominated because nothing was too over the top. But like we said, the acting was superb. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was well acted all around. But could get not, a best ori- or could get a best original screenplay. Yeah, definitely could. Best, yeah, uh, yeah, it's exciting, man. Just, I just love it when movies like this come out and they exceed your expectations. Because I had expectations of this movie, but I went into it pretty light. Just like, okay, sweet, get to see a Ryan Gosling, uh, Blade Runner, and then just walking out of the theater, I was like, oh, I'm, I mean, and a lot of it had to do with uh, it was Hans Zimmer, right? Uh, it was Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Walfish. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I think they're the same team that did, um, did the music for Dunkirk. Hans Zimmer wrote most of the music for Dunkirk, but Benjamin Walfish helped out. Mm-hmm. And I think that this one might kind of be the other way around. Yeah. So a lot of this was Benjamin Walfish and Hans Zimmer helped him out. But um, either way, they were a collaborative yeah, duo. Yeah, the, the sound in these. this movie was just... The coolest thing. It was just the coolest thing, sitting in a theater, having that, because just random moments, all of a sudden, Whoa. the entire, yeah, the entire that, theater. That, that like, really machine. deep, deep, sonorous, like, tone that kept coming on that kind of yeah. sounded like that scene from Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Yep, I thought that was, that was awesome. And Loved the it. music was just incredible, and, I, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know where to start or, or what to say. Um, yeah, I mean... <sighs> Well, let's just let's just get into it. Um, I think that we've we've done a lot enough pre talk. Let's let's kind of dive in here. Well, so I mean, we've, we've done enough pre talk. An hour of pre talk. Um, we've like, literally <laughs> been talking for over an hour now, and we haven't even actually got into the story. Yeah. So terrific. Um, but if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Blade Runner, just stop listening. Please, please stop listening and go see it because it's it's awesome. If you haven't seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine, excuse me. Well, I've been um, listening for an hour already, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I'm stink, done dude. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done anyway. This is too long. <laughs> um, but yeah, stop, stop listening and go actually see the movie because there's there's some really cool moments, and I don't want to I don't want to ruin any any of the plot points for you. Yeah. Because yep. from the very beginning, there's there's some stuff that you probably wouldn't have thought. So, um, cool. Moving on. It's your own fault if you're listening to this and we spoil something for you. So let's focus on Ryan Gosling's character of K or Joe. Joe. Okay. Joe K. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I was very surprised because before this from the trailers, I mean, what did did you think that he was going to be? I thought that he was going to kind of be the same thing as Harrison Ford. Same thing. Yeah. I for sure thought thought that he was just going to be a dude, just a regular human, human being. Human dude. And yeah. then from the very beginning, from the first scene, you find out that he's an, uh, he's a replicant. I, I was like, oh my gosh! It just, dude, it blew my mind immediately. It's the first movie, but it's backwards. You know, first movie's a normal dude, and you're kind of wondering maybe if he's a replicant. This movie, you know, he's a replicant, and then you're like, 
whoa, maybe he's a human, <laughs> you know? Yeah, or maybe he's the first the first born generation, yeah. you know? Of, yeah, he's, of... He's of, the first replicant to ever actually be birthed. Yeah. Oh, gosh. The Is way that a you weird said way that, to say yeah, that? Yeah, the way you that said how you that, say that disgusted birthed me. or born? Birthed. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. Um, Pretty sure that's correct, though. Um... Either way. To blave. <laughs> um, <laughs> to bluff. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he... I, I loved the character. I loved the direction. I really loved the uh, the replicant, how when he get, how he, he reports back to the um, LAPD quarters, and they have to go through doing the whole speech thing. Like, making, yeah. it's like the test that they do in the, in the original, but he has to do that. Um, Gosh, I can't even... Oh, I can't remember the actual, the actual I know, test. I know the the words that they keep saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. But it's it's incredible, man, and I love that. And like throughout the movie, how his character just gets tested, um, and then he gets tested that one time, and they're like, "You are way off the charts, man. What is going on?" Like it's a great way to like just keep these replicants on track, you know? Well, it's essentially a test that it's not like it's monitoring whether you're a replicant or not or something like the original test in, in Blade Runner, but it's yeah. testing your it's testing your baseline because you have a yeah. baseline personality. And so the, the way that you respond to each question and the time it takes you to respond is all measured. And so it's not as if he's acting, he's acting outside of his own baseline parameters. And so they're like, your personality's way off, dude. So we're going to retire you, you know, because he's a replicant. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be off. He's starting to act more human, and thus he becomes a danger to the rest of society. Like that is just such a cool, such a cool concept. That's great. So, yeah, yeah, I love, I loved, uh, I loved Gosling's character. How about Dave Bautista though, huh? Oh, great! Just from the opening opening shot, and he, uh, you know, he played a completely different character than he does in Guardians, and it's, it was, uh, he was great. Let's I give him it. some more roles, man. Let's give him like a Rocky Balboa type type role. I could see him killing it. I'd love it. I mean, yeah. I just after Guardians two, he is he's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, know? dude, I love Dave Bautista. His man. comedy he's... in that, but then in this movie, he had a very serious little role at the beginning, and it was just excellent. You know, mm-hmm. and I loved how you immediately just put Gosling, which yeah, you immediately see that he's a replicant because he's just taking a beating. Um. That would probably kill a human being. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's when he starts fighting. Fighting Sapper Morton is the character's name. Yeah, uh, Dave Bautista's character, and he starts beating him up. You're like, no way. I know no that way. dude's huge, and yeah. he's a replicant. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's no way. Yeah, it's so it makes so much sense that he's that he's an artificial human being. Yeah. Also, uh, Robin Wright, she was a phenomenal cast. Loved her. Yeah, I loved her. Um, yeah. I just, after watching House of Cards, um, Princess Bride, <laughs> you know, but I just, I think she's great. She's just a, she fit that role so well. Like, she fit into that world so well. Like, with, like, mm-hmm. the slick back hair and just kind of like that LAPD look. <laughs> Why are you smirking? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm so used to hearing Robin Wright pen, and then that put in my hand, put in my head, no pen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the Office episode, the office. Where he's like Jan yeah. Levinson Gould. Oh, no Gould, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no Gould. What happened, Jan? Are you okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not even funny to joke around about, but for some reason it just yeah. occurred to me. But yeah, she was great, and uh, and Leto. <laughs> 
Love Leto. Fine. But, did, you and, you know know, that, did you know Jared Leto actually had, like, opaque contact lenses yeah. that he put in his eyes for this movie? So he could acting. actually be just blind? And he, like, studied with a blind, uh, blind young man for it. I really oh, boy, did it pay off. My goodness. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> but, uh, my good friend Jack had a great point. You've never really seen... It's just such a brilliant idea of having a blind person, but then those little things that fly around and, like, digitally create what he can see. You know? Mm-hmm. That's such a smart idea. Like, that's crazy. It's such yeah. a futuristic way to, like, look at things, and that could definitely happen. Like, that could... That could be a thing. And that's beautiful. It's just like, wow, you can, this like guy can't see, but just with these little, little drone things, you can see everything. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought that, that, yeah, it's really cool. The technology, all the technology is super cool that they yeah. came up with, you know, just this, this version of 2049 in which 80s technology is kind of gone, gone in a direction that obviously in present day, we can look at it through our modern, our modern lenses and be like, that's not how it goes. You know, like, you know, why why don't you have like any, uh, any, any displays with like a lot, a lot more, uh, high resolution picture going on here. I know. uh, And it's all just like eighties, eighties format stuff, but just highly advanced, highly advanced. Yeah. And what's the, uh, what's the actress's name? Is it, uh, the, Sylvia Hoex, is she the one that plays like the main bad chick? Love. Yeah, she was so good. She was so good. When man. she's getting her nails done, and oh, I know. she's just sitting there directing them to blow certain stuff up. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was incredible. Dude, so there was two emotional reactions in this movie that just like blew me away. Like the acting. Ryan Gosling, when he, um, you know, Kay, when he figures out that, you know, he is a replicant for sure. Um, when he figures that out and he just kind of freaks out and has that like What do you mean? Response. When he's talking to uh Deckard's daughter. Um Well, because he thinks that he's He thinks that he's like the yeah, the 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 child. The like one the child that was birthed. Yeah. Um, birthed. and and he figures out that he's not that. And so he has this emotional reaction that's just like just I don't know, just out of nowhere. And same with uh, that love character. When she's talking to Robin Wright's character and it's the meeting and she goes, where is he? You know, has that like that little breakdown just randomly out of nowhere. It's just, it's just frightening. Like, it's when just, she kills her and she's I crying, know. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then she did the same thing when she killed Ryan Gosling or she tried to, I mean, uh-huh. and she kisses him. I was like, this is just you're, it's great. Yeah. It's such a just weird, weird character. Yeah. And, I, and I love that. I love the weirdness. So, yeah. big love fan. Um, big fan of her. I don't know, man. Do you want to talk about the holographic girlfriend? Oh, man. I don't even. Should we, can we just skip it? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> that was. It was interesting, and I'm I gonna. Have, I'm I, just gonna say say what you can't because you're in a you're in a serious relationship. She is just the best. Oh, that Anna de Armas. She is just so beautiful and so cute and just, oh, breathtaking. I you love want that her actress. as your little holographic Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Take it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and gosh, that scene where, you know, the scene, <laughs> the, and she, like, takes the place of that girl's body. That was so weird. Like, I'd never I seen... Know. And they they stayed in that in that scene for quite a while. 
Like that was a solid like two and a half minutes or something where you're like kind of uncomfortable and just like what is happening. And it was very mm-hmm. much it was reminiscent of the original where scenes go on really long and it's just like mm-hmm. this is what's happening. You're gonna sit here <laughs> and mm-hmm. watch what's happening. And it was that also such a strange idea to even think about. Just like I don't know. It was it was weird, but I had no problem with with anything. You know, mm, nothing no. was like so weird that I was like, oh, man, I don't like this movie anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like she was very much like Cortana from Halo. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. You know, I thought that uh, the girl that played like the uh, kind of like the prostitute girl um, or like the call girl, uh, for some reason, I thought that was going to be Zoe uh yeah, in the tr- in the trailer, I always just kind of kind of got a glimpse of her, and I was like, I think that's Zoe Deschanel. So then, when it wasn't her, I was kind of disappointed. Funny, a little bit, but I thought she did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> Funny, <laughs> you really thought that, huh? I really did. <laughs> oh, no, that's funny. Yeah, um, she was she was great though. I she, was she was great. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I loved that idea though of the holographic girlfriend and it kind of, it reminded me a lot of her, that Spike Lee joint, um, would, (laughs) but, uh, just the, the idea of this little, like the girlfriend in his pocket and he's a synthetic or or he's a replicant, excuse me. Um, so it it makes sense that he would have this kind of fake person that he's kind of dating and that he goes to home to every night, but he can't have physical contact with. Um, and it's just, it's just this weird concept. And I kept thinking in my head, like, oh, he's going to meet the real her, you know, at some point he's going to find like the actual replicant that's, that thing's based off. I thought that she was going to be like the one kind of, that's what I thought too. I kept thinking that she was going to be the actual true birthed person, you know, (laughs) she was the birthed, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I saw man, but I mean, we can... Is there is there anything in the first half of this movie that you really want to bring up, though? I mean, there's... I just... There's... I mean, randomly when he goes and uh, he finds, like, the little horse, that whole scene there, like, when he first arrives there and he gets shot down, then all those people just get, like, blown up, and then he goes into the... like the There child. was some gore in that scene, there too. There was, man. I like, was like, sweet, all yeah. right. We just saw some dude get blown, like, blown in half. Yeah. And, it's not and then, like, child like labor... Yeah, like the child labor scene and stuff, and then yeah, that was that. that was weird. That was a great, just all of that was great. I didn't, yeah, you know. And it's that dude from Walking Dead. It is that dude from Walking Dead. Very yeah. small role, but it was great. Yeah, he was great. Good job is like the crazy dude. Yeah. Um. So I uh, yeah, that was that was incredibly interesting. Um. Should but, we dig so, into Harrison Ford a little bit or? Well, uh, let's talk about the the whole Ryan Gosling situation though. So he finds out that he starts to believe that he is, he's the one, you know, he's, he's the, the true birth when he finds like the, the birth date inscribed on the, uh, on the, on the tree. And then it's also on that, that wooden horse. And so he goes and talks to that girl who ends up being the true birth, whatever. But, um, man, at that point I was thinking, Oh, got me. That's good. That's, that's a good, good plot point. I, know. I love that. He's yeah. that, you know, he's the one, he's the kid. And so this whole time you're thinking that, man, this movie is so good. Like, that's so awesome. And then you come to find out he's not. I know. Such he's not a, the one. And then he just, I mean, spoiler, he, then he just dies. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, like, well, let's let's hold on to that actually. But I just I, just, lo- I loved I, I really love like the there's a there's the two you know that the beginning when they find out he's a replicant I was like oh got me that's good oh, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you got, got me. me there I like that that's good um, I didn't see that coming yeah. and then you find out that he's he's the one that was like really birthed and then you're like oh got me oh <laughs> got me with the birth that's good and then he turns out not to be the one that was birthed to the whole time and you go and then, oh you got me I'm thinking. <laughs> Got me. You got me again. <laughs> this time you really got me. Oh. <laughs> I feel mean, oh. <laughs> like such a bozo. It's like, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times. I don't know. That's shame fool, on uh, Fool me once, uh, fool me twice. Uh, the f- fooler, fooler can't get fooled again. <laughs> Oh, that was just—I don't know. I—I I feel like I was on, just like a mental trip. That I know whole movie, the whole movie. I was like, well, oh, oh, you know, it just—it just kept finding out new stuff. It well, was just, oh, yeah, it—it, <laughs> it, yeah, it really took you on a took you on a little ride there. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. one of those movies that has a plot line like so well laid out that it's almost like in the audience you're like, oh, I get it. You know, like they have like these little plot lines that are like so clearly obvious that you're like, oh, he's the one. Oh, I get it. I wonder if they get it. But like everybody gets it. <laughs> and then it's at the so end, obvious. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, they just flip it on you and you're like, oh, so. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, that brings up a whole conversation entirely, too. Um, what did you think about the idea of replicants being able to give birth to another replicant, you know, or. I As you really... come to find out that it's it's Harrison Ford, so it kind of the question becomes: Is that a half human, half replicant, or is it two replicants? Because um, that's really very understand. ambiguous. They never yeah. actually they never actually say definitively that he was a replicant. So it's kind of hard to hard to know. But it's just I just yeah I just don't really understand how that works. I mean I guess they just gave replicants like reproductive organs and stuff. I mean I don't. Well, I, I think know. that that's it's something that they leave rather ambiguous. Gosh, how many times have I said the word ambiguous during this podcast? Um, but they leave they leave it. <laughs> Say fairly it one unknown. more time and just get it out. Ambiguous, ambiguous, ambiguous. It's all <laughs> there we ambiguous. Go. It's out on the table. <laughs> all right, let's move on. But it's very unclear during the original Blade Runner, like what a replicant is, because they show them get killed and all this stuff, but you never actually see like entrails falling out, or you you don't get to mm-hmm. see you know anybody get opened up, so you don't know if there's metal under there or what. And in this one, it kind of goes a little bit further in depth, and you really find out that replicants are basically. Like they're they're whether they're grown or they're created, whatever they they are, uh, like they're replicated human beings. Yeah, they are synthetic they human you beings. Know, yeah, yeah they're. I think that everything is just about the same, except that they've just been programmed, probably down to their DNA. Yeah, uh, as to what they are. And so I don't know how, how all that goes. I'm not, you know, not that gifted in science or anything, so I can't go too far into detail. But I found that fairly interesting. And so this idea that these replicants would be able to give birth to each other, and then that brings that question of, you know, I think, therefore, I am from the original Blade Runner. Is like, do these things have a soul? And whether, you know, you can argue that all day, but if two replicants get together and they're able to give birth to a child, what is that child? Yeah. It wasn't created. It was, it was a creation based off of another human creation so what is that 
I mean, it's just it's just mind blowing to think about. It it's like, what yeah. does what does that mean? What is that? Does that does thing, that have, thing a soul? have a soul? Does that thing is that thing still like under some sort of uh, boundary in its DNA? Can it like not do certain things? Um, yeah, yeah. It's just weird. Well, and then it's also it's something that I wondered watching this movie is I wonder I wonder how many people are going to see this movie and not be able to handle that. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's just going to be so against their belief system that they're like, no, no, this is not, not okay yeah. with me. And yeah. I'm sure that there will be. And that's just, that's something that kind of struck my mind. Here too. comes like, the Man. golden compass ladies again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So yeah, but man, that was that was just such an interesting, and that's and that's what I love about this movie is that those questions, the questions that the first one posed, are totally being asked again, but in completely different ways. You know, yeah. it's yeah. a very it, it's a movie that makes you think. It's intellectual, an intellectual movie that, and it's just fantastic. So yeah, um, yeah, absolutely, and uh, I don't know, it really does just kind of just takes you on a journey this movie and the ending is perfect like the ending it wraps it up in a way that is just it's just so well done and you don't see that you just don't see that anymore like you always have to have nowadays either the happy ending or um the scooby-doo ending (laughs) (laughs) the mega happy ending the mega mega happy ending but you just don't you don't see a well-written script like this anymore um, so I'm just, I'm stoked. I'm stoked that we got something. We got something good yeah. this year. And, uh, that's just, it's just a, it's almost like a weight off my shoulders. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's cause I haven't seen a good movie in so long. And I love going to the movie theaters and just being like, yes, like it was good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I haven't seen like a good movie, but I haven't seen like a phenomenal movie in a long time. Something that's like truly blown me away. And mm-hmm. uh so yeah, that's fun. And here's to episode 8, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, with this movie coming out, it's like gosh, I kind of hope episode 8's better than this. <laughs> no, <laughs> totally. Know? And I yeah. I mean, I don't know how it can be, but that would be like the perfect cap, perfect nightcap on 2017 for me. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. I agree. Yeah. Flashback to fall 1997, we got The Edge coming out. I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we, we all know how that went. <laughs> You're dang right. Um, but yeah, man, I love The Edge. <laughs> <laughs> we honestly just took a break to figure out how much more we needed to talk about and how much longer we needed to spend on the podcast. So, uh, yeah, but Anthony Hopkins was fantastic. <laughs> and <laughs> so to elaborate on my thoughts here, uh, what I one man Alec can Baldwin do, another can do. Exactly. I thought it was a terrific movie. <laughs> just <laughs> forget about the movie we're talking about. 100%. Completely going. So yeah, to the a... edge was great. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what movie are we um, talking about? So let's, yeah, let's, let's jump into, so, so Ryan Gosling goes and meets the girl that, uh, has the that she creates the memories and that's where he thinks that his memory was real because she tells him that that was based off a real memory doesn't point out exactly who the memory's from which i like uh very ambiguous but 
And then he goes to meet Harrison Ford. So what did you think about that whole Harrison Ford scene? I know that that was the point in the movie where I knew that was coming, and I had yeah. to pee so bad, and I just was – me and I went with a good friend of ours, Zach Hartman, a.k.a. Tube Sock, a.k.a. Farty. Um, but, man, me and him were, like, freaking out. <laughs> him and I were, like, freaking out because we had to go to the bathroom, and we were in the middle of the theater, and so it took so long to get out of the rows. Oh, it's going to cause a whole disturbance. You're that guy. It was bad. It was bad. But we both had to go, and we're like, there's an hour left in this movie. Like, I got to go. So, well, anyways. That was a, Ventura that was a, when nature calls, man. You that's know? right. It was a predicament, right. but we got through it, and I, I watched most of the stuff with Harrison Ford there. I, I thought it was great. Bit. You know, he's in some sort of, uh, what was that? Like a big hotel thing? Or like a Someplace in Vegas. Like a yeah. casino thing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, they were in Vegas. And, I, yeah, I loved that. I thought that was so cool. Uh, like the Elvis thing during that fight scene, like the Elvis coming on, and uh, it was so well done because the Elvis music kept like blaring on and then stopping, and it'd be mm-hmm. silent for a little bit, and then all of a sudden just blaring music again. And they're fighting, and uh, Ryan Gosling kind of gets like the best of him at a certain point, which is awesome. You kind of see him like you know start to do a little bit better. And uh, I love the dog in that scene too. I love that. There's just like a, you know a nice little dog. When he um, dumps the whiskey on the floor and just lets the dog lap it I up. I know. Yeah. That got a pretty big laugh from our theater. Yeah, there was a, you know there was a lot of uh, references to the old one and how he's carrying like the same gun and stuff. He still has like mm-hmm. the same gun. Uh, but yeah, and then Harrison Ford's performance was phenomenal. I mean, he's great. It's just he does a great job. He so far he's done a great job at recapturing the characters that he's played. This one, not yeah. as hard as Han Solo, um, I don't think. He kind of was just standard Harrison Ford in this movie, it felt like. Well, he was also used sparingly. So yeah. it's not like we really got to go into what Deckard has become. Yeah. It's just a very, very subtle, just kind of, yeah, this is where he's at and this is what happened to him. You don't get to see too much emotion or not all that much from him because, and that's what I like about this movie is it's it's not the story. It's not like, a continuation of the story of Deckard. It's very much about Kay or Joe. Yeah, it's a you know, story about very somebody much about else his that story. ends up mixing with, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's implications from the last movie that have to do with this one. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that Harrison Ford did a good job, and I really liked that fight between them. And at that point, you're thinking that they're father and son, and so you're like, oh, well, this I know. is so sweet. Um, but then that doesn't end up being the case. But, yeah, Harrison Ford was great. Um Right there, that was the point when he loses his holographic girlfriend, and that was one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen in a movie. It's like the dog. I'm sure, getting it was killed. for you. <laughs> hey, she's she's great. I I love that actress. <laughs> the minute big, they stepped on that fan. thing, I sighed a big thing of relief. I said, "Oh, thank you." Thank Were you yeah. really not into that character? No, I I was into her. Yeah, I oh, thought okay. she was great. And it, okay, yeah, cool. it was it was a very clever thing. Like yeah. her, you know. They, they took the time to go through the dialogue of saying, if you shut this down in the apartment, I'm only going to be on this thing. And if this thing gets destroyed, then I'm going to die. And so I'm happy. It's like I no longer exist. Yeah. So I'm happy they set that up because, yeah, then when they step on that thing and, and break it, you're like, oh, dang it. She and yells, I like, love you. I know. Oh, that and was he so. he goes, I know. <laughs> 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 that would have been too much. That would have been too much. But yeah, man. And then it shows Harrison it. Ford just like kind of give like a face. <laughs> He's all, hey, that's my line. Hey. Uh, so yeah, it, dude, it was, 
that whole scene was great. And then, uh, yeah, but then you kind of, it starts. Why did they leave him behind, though? You know what I mean? I didn't understand that either, because then all of a sudden he gets picked up by, like, the Rebellion. and That's that's the one, like, very, very convenient. they were just going to turn him into the cops. Yeah, like, exactly. I, and ha- That's like what they would, I was like, why would you leave him behind? It, like, that, movies do that too often, where it's like, oh, we'll just, you know, we got what we need out of him, just leave him. It's like no, you'd either that. kill him or take him or with take you. Him. There's there's no way, especially that the the bad girl in this movie. That was the one that one little like, little plot hole there. Yeah, yeah, and she but, did it multiple times. She yeah. thinks that he's dead or something and just leaves him. And it's like you're just letting him mess up your life. You could have yeah. taken care of him like three scenes ago. Oh man, that last fight though. So yeah, after after Harrison Ford gets taken, that's kind of when it starts moving into like the climax of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of where it starts heading that way. You go into the big scene with Jared Leto. Also, a good point, that CGI, uh, the CG on on Rachel's face. Um, Horrible. They... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good. Yeah. It was really good, and they they were very smart about it. Um, once again, well, you reference... were you were somebody that really didn't like the CG in... Yeah, well, with Tarkin and Leia and modern uh, CG, it's hard to make somebody look ex- like so realistic when they have speaking lines. You know, like when they have to say things. So that's the that was the issue with Tarkin. Like l- certain features in his face just make him not human. Like look like close, a video game. As close as it is to human, you just know he's not. That's not real though. You know, and so this one they were clever about it, and they had the lines that she said like her head was facing the other way. And stuff like that. Like, they showed her mouth move a little bit and stuff like that. But, yeah, it was it was great. And that whole scene was very strange. Um, and and I also thought it played off well, too, um, in that instance, just because she was, you know, like a clone of a replicant. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like she was, she was fake anyway. Yeah. And so the fact that she didn't look completely real to me like she looked really realistic but there's still always that element where you you know you know that's not a real human being that's acting that part and the fact that she was like a replicant um you know a a clone of a replicant i was like makes sense didn't bug me at all she didn't uh, she didn't have brown eyes green eyes oh she had green eyes yeah i love that that was cool line and then leto is like he like turns her away and he gives he's like oh he's like angry and Leto is so cool there. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, no, I hate that, on Leto. He's great, a good man. actor. He, there's nothing. He's Jay great. Leto. He's a great actor. Jay Leto, man. <laughs> Riding his Harleys. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I love that. And then uh, you want to move into just like that final scene? Yeah, Those yeah. Um, they, they, you know, they duke it out and they have the whole. It's kind of an anticlimactic ending with the the final battle. You know, like between the, the two replicants to the original. there. Similar, very, very, very similar to the original. And I thought that the bad guys were were pretty good. I mean, she has kind of a kind of a moment, much like uh, Rutger Howard did in the original, um, when she says she stabs him, and then she goes, "I'm the best one," and prances away. And I was like, "Gosh, that is That's so great. cool!" Because and then the way she, she dies, knows she's fake. She knows she's fake. She yeah. knows she's not real, but she's the best. She's the best of the not real people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And her her death is it's reminiscent of the original when the other you know crazy replicant girl dies and she has like the freak out on the ground and is like you know like seizing everywhere. 
she has mm-hmm. a very similar thing where she's getting choked out in that little in that ship and she's just like freaking out like just mm-hmm. like out of control and it's so uh, yeah i loved it her death mm-hmm. was terrific yeah terrific. no i agree and yeah, the shot very... the shot of her face still as she was like she was dead and then through the water you're just looking at her face in the water and they held it for a second and that actress had to sit there with her eyes open and be completely still and like you just think about things like that when you see it like mm-hmm. when you see a shot like that you're like wow like the concentration and the ability to get that shot is like it's just so impressive there's no, no way yeah, I, totally. no way i could do that <laughs> yeah she's great man I'd she's be like, really oh, I got good actress <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kid at the pool that always gets water in his nose or his contact knocked out. <laughs> have to get out and keep always fishing in your ear. Oh, oh, I think uh, I got water. God, I, got, I just got to go home, guys. Oh, I got swimmer's God. ear. Oh, I think I got swimmer's ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I swallowed too much. I think I'm going to be sick. Oh, man, I hate going good. to the pool with Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah. So I really liked, I really liked that death scene. And this is something that, well, hold on, let's get to get through the ending and then I'll bring that up. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought that she, she was fantastic. And I, I thought that her death was, was very fitting and very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then it goes on to the, the ending where, um, you know, Harrison Ford gets to meet his daughter for the first time. And I really like that when he asks, uh, Ryan Gosling's character, Kay, well, you know, why, why are you doing this? Why are you helping me? And he says, just go on in or something like that. Yeah. Because it, it is, it's kind of, why, why was he helping? You know, what, what was the point of all that? And it's just, his character is so interesting because he goes through this, like this crisis of character. He doesn't know who or what he is or where he's from and why, what is his purpose and all this stuff. And then at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because he doesn't really matter. Yeah. There's something bigger at play than him. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's just so interesting. Such a cool, such a cool yeah, character. Yeah, I, I loved them just killing him off, you know? Yeah, and then he loved just dies. That. And uh, in the snow, and it's, yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful ending. Mm-hmm. But then it ends, and you're like, dang it. <laughs> I know. That's yeah, where it's I was just a at. bummer. It's like, well, I guess it's over. And I like that they didn't go in and have, um, like, they didn't have, like, a conversation between Harrison Ford and... And his yeah, daughter. it wasn't like, like it was very just kind of <laughs> leave it off, and because that would have been weird. That it could it could have been really weird. Are Although the actress daughter? that was, yeah. yeah, the actress that was doing that was really cool. Yeah, she was cool. Um, she was really good. She was really good. Hipster, but kind of like really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So I I thought it was great ending. Loved loved every minute of it. Um, yeah. Any any other closing thoughts? Um. Well, the thing about Jared Leto is that he... <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I mean, it's just a great movie. Just a great movie. Yeah. No, I agree. It's fantastic. No, it's something that we we didn't really bring up. Um, I know we brought up a lot of elements of the replicants and, and what they mean to humanity, but there's a line that Jared Leto says earlier on in the movie um, that every every great civilization has been, like, was carried on the backs of uh, disposable workforce yeah. or slaves yeah. or something like that. And I just, I found the that element of the movie very interesting. And that's something that, you know, takes place in the other ones. Uh, or in the original Blade Runner, but uh, this idea of replicants just being this this workforce that was that's artificially created by mankind yeah. and 
just disposed of in such a you know there's there's zero emotion to it but but why would you create this this workforce that is so close to being human when you don't you don't want them to be human you, you know what i mean yeah. it yeah. just seemed it just seems so interesting to me and i mean maybe maybe there's like a cost effective part of it where it's easier to to grow like organic he's uh, also a little bit psychotic entities. you know and he these are his children as he yeah, says yeah yeah you know? You're not. You're, you don't have. You don't have children. He's like, I have a million children. Yeah. Blah blah. So I just I thought that was very interesting because you think you think about just any other any civilization. You know, it's like the you know the pyramids and stuff in Egyptian yeah. culture. Yeah. They they were just carried on the backs of slaves. You I know. know? Yeah. And just you know the Romans they had slaves and all that. So just about any any civilization is is been carried on the backs of slaves and of muggles. Is, <laughs> muggles, yeah. <laughs> Magic is might, um, yeah. but there's a. Uh, yeah, there's just something interesting about to the to the concept of you know a, a modern take on slavery. You know, yeah, it's like a lot of great themes would, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was incredibly interesting to me. So, well, um, well, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah, know? that's it. That's and that's good uh, enough. Our longest I think podcast that, yet for the longest movie we've done. So it's very fitting. Um, yeah, we had a lot to talk about in this one. So we did. It's good. I just yeah. wanted to you know get to know you a little bit. <laughs> professor you know i just i appreciate you taking the time to make this phone call and <laughs> <laughs> you got the job kid <laughs> thank you i i passed i passed i got a d plus i'm, I'm gonna, gonna graduate. graduate um yeah so oh. that's it um standard yeah. question i would say david uh is this be- is this movie better or worse than School of Rock with Jack Black. It's better, yeah. It's, it's a better, better movie than School of Rock. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, well, I mean, you put Jack Black in this movie. Uh, Could you picture? Oh, dude, the scene when uh, they're like, he's like giving that speech, and it shows that replicant fall out of the bag onto the floor, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just naked Jack Black. Oh boy! <laughs> he like turns over with his eyes closed. It kind of goes. He's all. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, you could put Summer in there too. Maybe the, the, the little Summer. She could be uh, the little holographic girl. Maybe. And she'd probably be the bad girl. She could be the bad girl. She has a little bit of. She's got a little little bit of that in her. And then Schneebly as the uh, as Jared Leto's character. Schneebly is Leto. I think we got a good thing going. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, you know, not everything's perfect though. But yeah, so yeah, definitely, uh, it's definitely better than. I'm so used to saying not as good as School Rock, but I was about to, but I'm like, no, it actually it's better than. Uh, it is. It's better, it's better than School than Rock. Rock. I don't know if I'd watch it over School Rock, but. Yeah, the I think at the value, but yeah. you know at the end of the day, I think in my lifetime I will probably watch this movie more than I have School of Rock. Probably, definitely. Yeah. This will be this will be a once a year rewatch for me. Hundred percent. I agree. And I can't wait to go see it again. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be awesome. So yeah, uh, if you guys want to uh to follow us as well, a little bit of social media stuff, uh, Professor Podcast on Instagram, um. It's a great platform for us just to kind of share um, and let you guys, you know, keep you informed. So give us a follow. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, it is not the Digs. It's actually just my name, Daniel Hunter Jones. Uh, I'm on there. Dave, you're on there at what? Dave TJ23. 
That's correct. Dave TJ23 on Instagram. So, uh, you know, give us a follow if you, if you like the podcast. Um, we are on SoundCloud and also we are on iTunes. Um, is this the first episode that we've done since we've been on iTunes? I don't think we've made an official announcement. So I don't think we have. We have. We should do that on Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna do a little little announcement. But yeah, this is a this was a huge huge week for us. Um, we got approved to be on iTunes. So now, just on your phone, if you go to the podcast app, you can just type in Professor Jones, and you'll find every one of our episodes. And uh, yeah, if you're just, on Android and stuff, it's, most Android programs go through iTunes too. Yeah. So. It's, it's it's totally it's really exciting for the professor yeah. jones podcast and so um, tell your friends tell tell other people that might you think might be interested in listening to uh two guys rant about movies for you know an hour and 40 minutes because an hour and 40 minutes yeah because <laughs> i don't <laughs> think many we're... people want to <laughs> it's super nice being yeah. on itunes though because it soundcloud really is. is one of those it's uh it's difficult to to get to so itunes is so much more convenient very so. easy you can download it straight to your phone and uh but yeah a huge thanks to everybody that listens and uh and keeps coming back and listening um that means the world to us but yeah big shout out to michael corson michael scorbin for the uh, amazing intro and outro and also leanna preston uh for the awesome artwork um that she has provided for our for our podcast so yeah man well that's it bro thanks a lot for listening guys living our lives quarter mile at a time and if i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night